welcome everyone to another episode of Classroom to Staffroom where we talk all things teaching. I'm joined by my co-host Jody Epia. How are we all? I'm Miles O'Kane and we look forward to taking you all along for the ride. My man, reflections of the week. Oh, a lot of ups this week. It's really nice looking back at some of the kids that I've, I've had throughout the week. Mm-hmm. Just the systems, just understanding the like what you put in early, the fruit's coming from it now. You can actually see the kids come and get themselves organised. I think the good thing is, is those light bulb moments from some of the kids who actually said that they disliked maths. Yep. And that's cool. I love those kids who say, oh, I don't like this. And, and they're being honest. But when they come to the point where it's like, oh, sir, this is easy. That's that. It's a good feeling. Yeah, that's that little little fist pump moment right there. So, yeah. And I think they can get overlooked a fair bit in teaching as well. Those those little wins, I think it makes a big thing for me as well. And when they mm. do come out, it, it reassures you on the right path in the profession, <laughs> I think anyway. And you're doing it for the right reasons. Any improvements you see? Oh, I tell you what, I suppose one cool thing is we've got a couple of practice teachers coming through having a look, a couple of the other staff. Got the notepads out, yeah. observing the lessons. It's, it's nice. It sort of keeps you, you sort of want to show them, but it's hard at the same time because they, they come in halfway during the, let's say, a, a semester. Yeah. And most of the most of the hard work is done in term one. Yep. Therefore, they're coming in seeing kids sort of like going through the motions, already know what they have to do. The guy said, well, the class is so quiet, you know, so I said, well, that's been established purely based on term one. Yeah. So you're seeing the exit part or the next part of, of all of that. The only thing is that I says to the young man was every now and again, even though they're quiet, you've still got to watch body language, just got to watch whether or not pens or pencils yep. are moving. Yeah. And just a real quick, hey, getting on over there, um, so-and-so, and they'll they'll reset them and they'll go back, oh, yeah, I'm good, and they'll carry on. So it's just, even though they're quiet, even though they're sort of um, humming along, yeah, still got to watch around to make sure that the kids are still doing what they need to be doing. I think that, that was for me when I was doing prac. I learned the most from looking at different teachers. Yeah. So going out and actually asking, even if they weren't my supervisor, to get in and observe what's going on. Mm. I think it's the best. You learn by seeing, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty similar, man. So I had where my class is getting into flow now. Like we know expectations, we know where we're at. You start working those rapport and relationships and sort of um, build I guess I'm a holistic student as well, which is yeah. good. It's not just about the math, but then sort of yeah. start to, I don't know, you know, a bit cliche, work toward their goals and what they want to do in life. Yeah. So it's good. You had that, or at least I have had that hard period for a term where you're yeah. setting the law and setting your expectations down. Now you can kind of ease back slightly. I think I, I think I was on my way into class and I think I saw your year 12s coming <laughs> and I think you simply gave a simple instruction. I think it may have been 10 words at max. Simply explaining to the year 12s, this is what you need to do from this page, this is the numbers. And you can just automatically see, bang, next step, go straight in. And that was, and I understand how that process worked. It's the work that you've done prior to get them to that point. It's so good. I appreciate it, man. Mm. Uh, my improvements, I need to get back in contact with parents for students that possibly aren't applying themselves as much in class and just sort of retouch base and say, mm. look, start of a new term. We're heading down this direction. Let's all get on this journey together. That's it. Uh, man, so I'm thinking episode eight now on the podcast, it might be a chance to do a mini-series. Mini-series nice. being the, this week and next episode, sort of look at our journeys through teaching, what we've come from, mm. where we ended up, what we're doing now. Yep. And if you're good with it, we'll uh, start with you today. What do you reckon? Nice one. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so first touching point, Jody Epier at 16 years old. What are we like as a student? Oh, man. What's that equivalent over here? So year be, 11. Year 11. I sort of had my focus on wanting to make the All Blacks back then. Or mm-hmm. trying, I think most most young boys growing up want to try and 
get into a good rugby career. So fitness was one of the big things. Lifting weights was one of the big things. At the same time, you know, having to juggle a girlfriend at the same time and making sure that every, all that sort of stuff was going okay. And on top of all of that, making sure the studies were doing going really well. So the 16-year-old was trying to keep all of those things juggled up in the air all at the same time. On top of that, we're doing a lot of cultural activities. Yep. So, yeah, it's... Outside of rugby, well, outside of PE in New Zealand, what was your favourite subject? Oh, math. Was it? Hands down, bro, math. Purely because it was well, how I teach it as well. Yep. The methods or the processes, no matter what, if you apply that same process to a particular part of math, you're always going to get that answer and to be able to justify. So I found math, even though the math teacher that I had, he was an Indian guy, he was pretty hard to understand the language that had and how he spoke. The language barrier. Very, very quick. Um, so we actually ended up asking him to slow down. And once he did, we sort of caught on to the math concepts a lot easier. So yeah, math was definitely, uh, math and DNT. I loved my woodwork. That was one of the other areas that I really enjoyed. The teacher in there was also good too. He sort of, you know, as you get older into the year 11, year 12, you sort of, the responsibilities that teachers give you, they give you a little bit more freedom to try different things. And that, and the cool thing was, our DN teacher was our rugby coach as well. So. Oh, that's handy. Yeah. That's very handy. So let's go back to that math class at this age. Where are you sitting in the class? Are you front row, mid row, back oh, row? Middle. I'm mid. middle. Right, I was mid, mid, middle. sort of three quarters of the way back even. It depends, but as a... Back row is too far oh, back? Right. Only because... Oh, I want to sit next to my girlfriend. That's what. Ah, you charmer <laughs> even back then, hey? Very but, good. Uh, yeah, it was good because she was also very academic. She pushed, so I actually wanted to try and beat her at the end of the day. It was all, all about me, not necessarily just passing, I was actually trying to beat her. But The competition, mate, I she, like it. She, she, she was hands down. She was very, very bright, but she actually smoked me on a few things. <laughs> so how, so this age at 16, are you, have you considered being a teacher? So, so worst case scenario, rugby didn't work nah. out, doesn't work out? No, nah, wasn't a phase, wasn't even, in, wasn't even in the scope. I think the main thing for me was we worked quite closely as a community and we had some real good police officers in our, in our town. Yep. So one of the police officers asked me to come for a night um, drive, they call it the night hawk or whatever it was. And like a ride along? Yeah. yeah. And the whole thing of that was cool because I liked the fact that you know, you're just patrolling the area. But I think about the downside was I heard back then was if you went through the academy, they preferred you to go away from your town. But now it's totally changed. They prefer you to be back in your own town because you know the people, you know the places, you know the shortcuts. So 16, considering possibly going yep. to the police after school. Yep. Main reason for that one, though, bro, was I really wanted to just pull my pull my cousins over. That's it. So <laughs> put the lights on, walk up to the car, license some registration, please. <laughs> get a badge, get all that power. So how did, so where does teaching come in then? What age are we when we consider oh, teaching? I, I think it was one of those, I may have mentioned it earlier in one of the earlier episodes regarding one teacher, he was our Māori teacher. He was really strict on us and he was, to be honest, he was the reason why I became a teacher. Just the way that he was very strict and hard on us, but he was also loving and caring. And a lot of us at the time thought, oh man, he's just so strict. But as you got to know him and as he got older, as you, got, as you became older, yeah. it's like, ah, oh, we understand now. So this teacher actually um, groomed me in the sense of he took me under his wing. We've done a lot of cultural things together. He sort of made me learn that side of the leadership side of things. He was one of the pers- people who said, look, you want to look at doing something and making change, go and become a teacher. Yeah. So you're at, um, early 20s by this stage, mid yeah. tw- early 20s? So as soon as I finished high school, yep. went, straight into, went straight into doing my teaching. Absolutely loved it. it was, but our class started off, I think it was about 60, 70 of us in, in the class. Like a, a bachelor or a dip bachelor? Uh, we went through the dip head. Dip head. Yep. Yep. 
and there's about 30, 60 of us in that. But at the end, at the end of year 10, 12. Oh wow, 60 down to. Very. I think what it was, was a lot of people came on and double just digits. That they just wanted to get the. I don't know, a fast track somehow, but they kept changing from different courses. That's a fair cut down, isn't it? It was. But at the end of the day, once graduated, got through to the um, my first teaching post. But if I was to reflect back on doing all my pracs, there was one teacher that stood out, and I, I mentioned her before, in, re- in regards that she was so strict on the planning that it had to be down to the minute. And as good as that was, like I'm, I'm going to be honest, there were some really good things on that. Taught me how to plan effectively right down to the very but you need to be able to adapt to the situation don't you that's right yeah definitely and that's that's the other part i didn't take that part out i didn't pursue that side of of teaching like that purely based on the fact that it didn't allow things to happen naturally it was just too too rigid didn't allow kids to move so where we're 22 23 by heading into teaching um so what 18 19 20 21 got out into the year 2000 got out and that was my first teaching post Okay, so 22. Yeah, Teaching. yeah so it's young. It's, it's young. How do you follow? Okay, let's go through that. So, your first five years in teaching, I know we talked about it before, yeah. you're 22 stepping in a classroom. How does that feel? Uh, want to make an impression. Yep. Uh, you want to make sure that everything is, every, all your all your I's are dotted and all your T's are crossed. And young and aspirational right. still. And go in early, set the classroom up, make yep. sure the room's all ready to go. Yep. Uh, my first post was over on an island. and um, So yeah, you're still in New Zealand this time, still aren't you? Still in New Zealand at this yeah. time. And went out there, absolutely loved it. And I think the cool thing was leaving home, actually going away from the area that I was brought up in. Yep. Took a teaching post out on an island, total different way of living over there in the sense that there was a lot more freedoms. Yep. Um, get to know the community really well and they get to know you. And, you know, in the small towns, you see people wave to teachers because they know that that's a teacher and they you felt like, well. So on the island, um, there was this real sense of family yeah. and, and unity. Yeah. We have to barge on, jump, um, drive our car onto the barge or walk onto the barge from one side, ferry across. And on the other side, you know, if you don't have a car, people will just take you... But so you're at the uh, first year, a couple of years at this school? First year, that was my first, first year. First year, so holidays and stuff, just staying on the island or are you flying uh, back home? We stayed on the island most of it, but now and again, the parents will come down or my wife's parents will come down, either one. Yep. Um, or we'd go back as long as we get back on the Sunday barge uh, or Monday morning barge. Oh, so be the weekend you come back to the mainland? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. There was one time, though, we this had nothing to do with teaching in a sense, though, but it was funny, we, we went and bought a new car. And I, I just, you know, being, being cheeky, I said to the guy, oh, you got any spare cars at the back? He goes, oh, go around the back and pick whatever you want. So I grabbed the car. It worked. It drove. I think it just didn't have lights that, that we didn't know of anyway. Got it down to the island, put left it on the island, and we drove from this side, barge across, hop on that car, go to, go to the school. So how I, I, I can kind of draw some relevance from that as well because I started my first two years in the country mm. and it was a similar situation, very close-knit. Uh, it was a good feeling too. I think it was yeah. good for where I was at because I was 24 when I started teaching, so still mm. pretty young. It was a good first experience to get out, get away from home, do your own thing for a bit and then sort of meet new people yeah. and learn to operate in that community, which, which was good for a young teacher at that time. It was good difficulty and challenge, but it was yes. support as well. So your first couple of years in teaching what's the emotions like in the profession is it overwhelming is it good are you content with where you're at yeah i think a little bit of everything having to as a new teacher you get like a point two to make sure you're keeping on top of all your admin stuff yeah. you know that sort of thing that came in handy 
and for any young teachers going out there, make sure you make sure you take that, and make sure you do use utilize that time for you to do whatever you need to do. The first two years, though, I stayed on the island for a year, then I went over to the mainland. The principal on the island took a job over on the mainland, so she asked me to follow, so I followed over. Yeah. And stayed there for term, uh, one term, and then got the phone call for, to come back home. Um, ended up going back home, took a teaching post from where I, where I sort of grew up. And that was a school that I eventually wanted to work at. It was like a five-year plan, but it came earlier. Yep. Got in there and started teaching there. I absolutely loved it because everything was in the language, in the Māori language that we spoke back home in those schools. So teaching there was great. Took up a, It was just mainly for Z that I had right from primary school kids because there's like a, what's the equivalent? A district area. high school? I had primary all the way through to high school. Okay. So yeah, it was good. So you had a range of skills that you had to sort of teach. Uh, though they're difficult, those situations. Oh, yeah. I've never taught myself, self, sorry, but I've had friends do it and sort of all in one class, right. the range of abilities like that. I imagine in that situation, the planning's got to be spot on yeah. and, and dealing with all the, the variations that okay. come up. It, it, it still stayed, they still came to you in year groups, but it was like having to change from teaching the younger ones to teaching a, a year 12, you know. So you just got to be able to adapt to the different things they were doing. On top of that, this school, marvellous school, the best, one of the best schools that I've ever taught at, purely based on the, the leadership that we had there. Okay. Um, I remember he called me in one day and he simply said, oh, where do you see yourself in five years' time? And me being cheeky and young and, uh, you know, excited to get into this profession, I said, oh, I, I want to sit in your seat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I, he didn't get offended. The cool thing was he actually said, all right, my job now is to try and make sure Thank that I'm giving you options to yeah. try and do that. Help you out. Yeah. That's a powerful thing. Yeah. So how, so what year do you move to Australia? Uh, end of 2009. Okay. So you're how many years? I've done nine years. Nine years. Okay. okay. And you're on the East Coast, aren't you, to start with? Yeah. Are you? No, no, no. From, from home, I came straight here to Perth. Okay. So now, so nine years in teaching in a new country. Yep. Much difference between schools in New oh. Zealand, apart from the cultural aspect? Yes, and yes, and yes. But before we go into that one, there was this catch-22. You can't teach kids if you don't have a teaching with, with children's card, but you can't get the teaching with, with children's card if you can't teach kids. What came first, the chicken on the egg, I believe? That's a tough one. How, I've, been able to, I've been dying to ask you that one. How did you solve that problem? Well, I ended up, ended up well, one of the, the principles that my children went to... Uh, she simply said, look, just volunteer your time. Oh, yeah. So I volunteered Good. my time for a week there. Good. Done, done a bit of this and that, and then she signed it off. So you, you land in Australia to a teaching position? No. So you just throw yourself out there throw to get the qualification there. for the working with children? Well, that was another one, this Waycott thing that everybody talks about. At the time, there were so many different hoops you had to jump through. Right. The biggest thing that Waycott had, or teacher registration that they're known as now or whoever they are, had to look at my transcripts and manuscripts for my qualifications. Oh, your academics at uh, uni? Yeah. Everything that I'd done was done through the Māori medium. Oh, right. So they had to try and uh, find the equivalent of it. Okay. Well, I think it's that squeaky wheel syndrome where I started ringing them, bro, and then got down to the point where I was ringing them once a day, twice a day. Yeah. I got to the point where they just said, just give them a number. Just give that guy a number. Yeah, well, they- I got this magical E number. Bro, magical. Didn't you get that magical E number? So what, what number are you? I'm 4E4. I'm E4. Oh, yeah, okay. I'm E404. Have you been an E1 before? I've never come uh, across a teacher with uh, an E1. Surely, Chris. Another teacher that you yeah. could possibly work with. But, like, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've not seen anyone in those numbers. 
Yeah, I don't know why. Do you reckon it is this? Anyway, this is... I reckon, I reckon a lot of those people may not even... Mythical creatures. Mythical, <laughs> le- mythical legends of the teaching profession. Okay, so you're in Australia, in the classrooms, got the work, got qualified. Are you teaching sport or are you teaching math at this time? No, anything and everything. Anything and everything. I just, just myself into the teaching. I actually I didn't have these flash things that they have today. You literally went around and rang up all the schools or go around and visit all the schools and say, look, I'm a teacher. I'll just add myself onto your thing role. Yep. And it worked. So I was getting pretty much work every day. But it was sometimes it was late phone calls, so you had to sort of be ready just in case you you required. Yep. Went through that. Went through that for the rest of 2009, and so that last term I was sort of just getting my name out there, working around different schools, primary schools, high schools, wherever wherever will take me. Well, because the school, the school, previous schools I worked with you at, you were doing that generalist role, so you were yeah. teaching everything. Yep. That's going to be quite difficult and challenging. How do you find doing that? I look, I think, I think. Most teachers have the skill to be able to go into any sort of um, teaching area and do, as long as the plans are there, can adapt. For me, back home, we've done a lot of that stuff anyway, a lot of collaborative sort of teaching, so it didn't really bother me. Yeah. But what I found was if you worked hard and if you make sure that you've done your things right, discipline right, work is completed, leave notes for whoever you're covering, the schools actually start to ring you a lot more. Yes. But if you're one of those who just come in and go out and don't really care, you don't get phone calls. So I started doing a lot of that and worked my way. And then we ended up moving up to where I live now. And this new school started up there. As it started up there, I got a, got a phone call and then kept getting more phone calls. And then they threw me short contracts. And then So the idea the idea once you moved to Australia was to stay in Australia for good? Was that able to move back to New yeah, Zealand at any I point? Think we, we deliberately gave ourselves a five-year plan. We said we won't move anywhere else within five years. So. Yep. Because what happened was a lot of people from back home, a lot of the family who come to Australia, they're only like splashing a pan sort of thing. They come for one, for one year and then it's too hard basket and they move back. Right, okay. So we deliberately said, no, nah, five years we won't go home at all. So we've done that. We stayed here for a good five years. But yep. first two years, I, I, I can honestly say I didn't like it. Everything was dying when I landed. Everything was going brown. <laughs> Um, there is that because I've heard that from other people I know that have moved country. There is that two year thing, isn't yeah. there? Those first two years, almost like just grit it and bear with it, yeah. and then it seems to be that magical third yeah. year starts. Sorry, stuff starts to come good. Oh, you get over that two year um, hump. Yeah. The cool thing was we got our kids straight into sports and stuff like that, so we got to see a lot of Perth by following my son around. Do you find, because my parents are Irish um, and they didn't have anyone here when they came, they found Perth quite clicky back then Mm. and that's in the late 70s, 80s. Were you so mid-2000s by this point? Is that a similar situation? I look at at the fact that, yeah, I think the circles that we ended up rolling in were very much similar circles we would have back home because most of the people back home either rugby, rugby league or netball and so forth. Yeah. And we ended up following the rugby league programs or rugby league scenes over here. Yep. And you ended up seeing sort of similar people. And that was good because it allowed us to, um, you know, build, start putting roots into the ground here. Yep. The cool thing was with rugby league, it allowed us to travel up and down Perth. So we got to see, see the sights. Yeah, that's yeah. good. So I think the was well, I think the worst one was having to travel all the way down to um, Bunbury Ooh, for a weekend game or a camp. Right, just. <laughs> For a thirty-minute game, and it's like, this that's when you know your dedicated oh, parent. Let's 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 make it an hour. They were, so they were both happy. We were both happy. They were happy. So yep. Let's do an hour. Yep. But the cool thing was, was that when we went down the Bunbury, they always put on a big feed for us. 
So when they came up to us up here in Jungleup, and um, we put on a real big feed for them, and became that became the norm. So with the travelling team that was that far away, yeah. come up to us, we always feed them. So you've so by this point you're five six years in Australia. Yeah, two thousand and the end of two thousand and nine. Yeah, yep. five six years in Australia right so now. So made the transition successful out in the Australian schools, cleared by yeah. the working with children. <laughs> we got that one. Okay, so current day teachers. So you're now twenty two years in, twenty three years in, twenty three years in teaching. So where so a scale of one to ten, ten being the highest, where are you at with teaching these days? Oh look, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna rate it really high. I still love teaching. I, I love the art of teaching. I love watching others teach. I love critiquing not only myself but also others. And it's cool when you see things that come off really well and then you sort of cringe at things that don't work so well and you're like, Oh, probably won't do that ever again. But that's all part of teaching. Yeah, so it's taking that. Having that guts, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm very much trying to focus on that with my career at the moment, just throwing myself in head first and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think you're a role model that to people as well. That's it. Go, it is making mistakes. Um, so we put a number on it. Where would it be? Would you give it? Oh, I'd go seven and a half to eight. Yep. I think at this point in time, I think yep. I, don't, I don't think I'll ever get a ten, in in the sense purely based on the fact that there is always stuff to improve on. Yep. There is always stuff that or things that I can do. Yep. Um, I would like someone to come in and critique me and just give me the things. Not Don't tell me the things that I may be doing well, but I'd rather them tell me, hey, maybe look at this, maybe look at that, because that's the biggest thing. It's trying to make the profession so much so effective that it has an impact on the kids. It's definitely. Great. Iron sharpens iron. Yeah. And I know I definitely yeah. need people to sharpen me up at times as well. Um, so... Jody now, 22 years experience, somehow crosses path with Jody starting out in the teaching profession, what advice would you give to your young self? Oh, good question. Mm-hmm. I suppose, if anything, just be open to learn. Don't close. Don't ever close off. Try to give yourself as much opportunities to learn as much as you can. At the very same time, protect your personal health and yep. well-being. Well-being is massive. Um, it's one of those things. You, you've got to find that balance because... Being young and enthusiastic at the time, you just want to just give everything a go. You just want to, you just want to show everybody if I can help, I can do this, I can do that. Yeah, can I can I stop you there, man? Yeah. I think that's important as well. It's teachers' first couple of years. It's easy to burn the candle on both ends, yeah. and it creeps up on you as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and like in the long run, it's not a good thing because that's where that, as you say, teacher burnout happened. Yep. And you see in a lot of teachers who have been in the game and they just. I burned out the passion's gone you know you can just sort of sense that that and when you see people who aren't like pushing their kids and so forth i i still right now at this point in my time if i was to say hey young back then don't think you know everything yes be willing to open-minded um so looking so we've got a couple minutes remaining what does the future hold for you in teaching are you going to stay in teaching is it a Mm. definite thing I've got, if I was looking at a five, maybe 10 year plan within the next five years, I'd like to, something that I'd like to do personally is to test myself to see whether or not I should be able to take on an admin role yep. at some, in some capacity, yep. purely just to see if I if I can make an impact there. Like a leadership position in yeah, the school? Yeah, yep. so I'd like to go along that line. I'd like to go towards that line. I think I just want to see, like, as you always try and improve, I just want to see if I can actually make an impact. In a, in a greater scale, like I think I'm making impacts. I think the impacts are making in impact. my classrooms. Yeah, I think that's that, and I think I've got that sort of under control. It's whether or not I can do a wider impact and hopefully impact more staff that impact more students and/or community. It's yeah, somewhere along that line somehow. 
that's that's a future thing in the next five ten years. And that's I mean that's a it's a big goal as well. Yeah. You know, and what I've seen, I think you, you make a massive difference in your classrooms. It is just taken outside it now. Oh, look, I look at. I went to the funeral of uh, one of our our head pastor's father. Yes, and he simply said, the head pastor said to his dad, "Oh, dad, I, I want to be a pastor." Yeah, and and the, all he says to his son was, "Just don't be an ordinary one. Just don't be ordinary. Just go all in, whatever you yep. do. Yep, just give you everything to it." And and I look at that in, in regards to teaching. Yeah, like I don't want to be just stuck and you know just be happy to do the go through the motions and and then the next year do the same thing again. I, at some stage, I'm going to have to. You know, it's the Michael Jordan quote, isn't it? The day I stop yeah. improving is the day I walk away from the game. Yes, you know, absolutely. I think it is. I think it's yeah. the day I stop enjoying teaching is yeah. the day I don't need to do it anymore. That's it. You know, um, I messed up. I forgot the left field question at the oh, start. Yeah. So I'm going to do yeah, it now. Yeah. Your classroom. What's the go-to? Students in rows or students in tables working in groups? I know the answer. But yeah. why, why do you, why do you have students in groups? Yeah, mine's are groups. In groups, you can allow. You can actually set groups up. Yep. So you've got a different type of learner in each group, or yep. you can put all the type of different types of learners together. Yep. Um, and it creates that yep. atmosphere of group work, doesn't it? The reason I asked it, we were having a PD day yesterday um, on, on group work and everything. It put back in my mind the effectiveness of group work. Yeah. When I first started teaching, I was all about the groups and sort of highly effective, whereas these days, because I'm not in my own classroom, most of it's in rows. What I'm trying to say is it comes down to the teacher. I think yep. it comes down to knowing the students. And I can see in my career, I see value for both of them to work. Yeah. I, I see value in both. We went to a PD earlier this year. Oh, no, it was last year. Um, the Marvel Conference. And there was a, an outstanding speaker there who talked about he'd done 20 years of research looking into how classrooms are developed yep. from how it was to how it is now. Yep. I'll tell you what. Just the fact that he he promoted groups. Yeah. But the one thing that I couldn't get was the group tables were faced randomly in the sense that you weren't necessarily pointed towards the middle whiteboard. Oh, right. The teacher was, it was actually faced where... So the teacher needs to move around to get yeah, students' attention? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. That's, that's the whole thing was around it was there was no structure to a middle point Yep. so that the kids can actually... You know, Access. However, and but the teacher it forces the teacher to move yep. around the classroom more. Yep. Yeah, that that there I find really I haven't done it, but I love, I'm in groups, so that's one stage. So hopefully that was my takeaway. Yes, so I was like I need the group work. I need to start doing more of that again. because yeah. it is. It's not just the academic component, but actually learning to cooperate and work yeah. together and sort of build as a team. Okay, I think we're coming to the end, man. Anything you want to add? I think. What you're talking about with group work, I think the cool thing was is you can actually watch kids in groups help each other. And that way, some of it is that some kids learn better off other kids. Yeah. I think that's one of the key things why groups also work is you've got someone who's usually quite strong and that person learns the leadership and responsibilities through leadership. Then you've got those who aren't so strong in that group and they're like, oh, how do I do this? They feel like they're um, getting value from their friends, their friends are adding value to them. Yep. So that concept sort of works. So I, I like the group. I do like the group, but I early on in my early years, I always used to have rows. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny how it sort of fluctuates in the career as well, doesn't yeah. it? Some food for thought there. Mm. Uh, so like always, thanks for listening, and we look forward to the next episode. Thank you.